So here we are, <laughs> and hopefully that little cut means I can cut out the interruption. Oh, that I had. you think that you have the audio engineers on your side? Mm. Fascinating. Yeah, that fascinating. Is, that, mm. So what? this is what you want them to add in more interruption to Joe? That's wild. <laughs> this is thinking like a lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I also have Catherine Rubino and Chris Williams talking. Um, also of Above the Law. They, yeah, we're they, not just like hobos we work, off the street. We work street. here. We work here. Mm. We get paychecks and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to to interrupt me. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, this is come the out the, guns a blazing. This is the above the law podcast where we talk about some of the big stories of the week that mm-hmm. was. And here we are yet again. We're going to talk about law, law firms, mm-hmm. law schools, government, you know, all that all sort that of, stuff of stuff that's going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we also talk about our lives from Sometimes, time to time. Yeah. yeah. It's like we have a whole segment. That we call small talk. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, how was your weekend, Chris? Uh, my weekend was uh, weekending. I played this uh, game. Uh, I think it was came in like 2006, 2009, one of the two. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. It's called Bayonetta. And it's really oh, yeah. good. It's really good. And like when I first got, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is basically Devil May Cry with fan service. Cause you basically play as a witch and like her superpower is she gets naked and summons demons. But it's mm-hmm. really, it's really good gameplay. If you uh, say so. <laughs> I do. I think it is one of the best games. The of description its time. leaves something to be desired, just and heads up. And the desire is satisfied. It is really fucking good. <laughs> like, um, it, it is so good. I was like, okay. Because uh, what happened was I played Devil May Cry 5. And I was like, okay, let me play games like this. I played Bayonetta. And I was like, that game is shameful. I need to play Devil May. I need to play Bayonetta 2 now. And apparently, like, Nintendo picked it up. So now the only way I'll play it will be if I pick up a Switch. Um, mm. And I'm thinking about getting a Switch because it's a really good game. Um, and then beta the three is dropping. Um, also, I'm preparing. I'm giving a class uh, this week. I'm having my uh, my children read this uh, essay by Norman Mailer called uh, "White Negroes," mm-hmm. uh, the White Negro, and that's fun. Uh, and then we're going to yeah. go from that to uh, Bell Hooks eating the other. Thinking about having oh. them. I think I'm not thinking them. I'm thinking about having them give some thoughts on the uh, the Little Mermaid being black controversy. Because I started off the semester talking with uh, Nietzsche, as all Africana studies classes ought. And uh-huh. I think it would be fun to have some conversations about historicity and representation. Cool. That's me. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I, I had a request to uh, from a fan to talk more about some of my culinary adventures. You so know? Your, your mom? <laughs> No, <laughs> no. Someone from, Paul, someone from Paul Weiss who needs a good article written. They're like, all right. <laughs> all right. And of course, I, I assume that was the reference to the old, was it Paul Weiss? The, <laughs> the restaurant memo? This, oh. this is going back a long time. I was not somebody working sent, in above the Somebody put then. a first, first or second year on the job of writing a memo of all the places they could order takeout mm. from near the office. Anyway, no. Um, but in the past, I talked about some of the 
stuff I had made as I'm trying to get better about cooking. And I So what is your I culinary adventures revealed? So my culinary adventure recently was the last week I made a mole uh, sauce mm-hmm. with some chicken and made taco mole stuff, which was super fun. It did now my my recipe is not as involved as some. I know like the the really expert aficionados on mole, the the mole heads, if you will, would say that you need like fifty ingredients or something. I I did not get that far, but I mean I had a I had a bunch. Uh, so I took like the real key is to get these dried chilies. Mm. So which gotta, which Taco Bell yeah. did you get this mole recipe from? <laughs> I, I I'm fairly confident they don't make mole at Taco Bell, but I don't know. That's I mean, the that, joke. That, yeah, that recipe changes all the time, though, so who knows? Maybe anyway, you. so I got a bunch of these chilies from a specialty store that are dried and whatever, and you can get a bunch of those and boil them with in some stock with prunes. and you Prunes? On the si- yeah, mm-hmm. that's the part that I did not expect. Huh. Yeah, and then on the side, you, you, know, you brown your onions, shallots, cloves. Uh, well, you smash some cloves in there to get some... Garlic going. Get some garlic in there. Yeah, Did you, you use chocolate? Some, uh, well, yeah, that's the whole point eventually. Well, there can be non-chocolate-based moles, right? Like I, I, I believe the word that mole... mole is a process, not necessarily oh, a oh, set of ingredients. I've, yeah. I've always ever had it with chocolate. I think so it's I certainly the most popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then the cloves, oregano, cinnamon, nutmeg, all that, get it warm to kind of activate them all, and then... Get some chipotle and some tahini, which I did not expect to be in there. There you go. And Mm. almonds and pumpkin seeds. Nice. Get them all together, blend them all together in a thing. And then I, I, and then you put in, then I was using a slow cooker to kind of bring it out. So then put it in the slow cooker on low and added chunks of bittersweet chocolate and just let that go. Mm -hmm. And, Oh, yeah, some cashews I've had in there, too. Yeah, just putting in everything, you know, the kitchen sink to get it going. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Now, the the interesting thing, though, is after that, I talked to a friend of mine who's actually a chef about it, and she told me that the thing I had done wrong is that I should have, after it was done cooking, not eaten it, but instead put it in the fridge for a day, mm. and then reheat let it. it let it, it marinate. Yeah. Maybe you should make a batch and bring it to the next above the law uh, bar meeting. That yeah, we eventually obviously, because everybody needs yeah. a break from blue booking, and what better than chocolate sauce? Sure. Anyway, I, I, we literally haven't blue booked in years. <laughs> good, good. Years. I blue book all the time. What no, are you, talking you about? don't. I mean, I've read your articles. <laughs> not blue book. I mean. Not necessarily my articles, but like if I have to send a greeting card or something, I make sure that it's compliant. I swear to God, if there is like an abid in your greeting cards, I will find you. <laughs> I mean, the the front of the Hallmark card says something like happy birthday and I'll like write on the inside some stuff and then I'll put... With full uh, citations. I'll said as said, Supra. <laughs> For all the viewers listening, I'd like to say, have some shame. <laughs> all right, with that, we should get to we should get to real work. Yeah, you know. So conclude small talk. Move into the real subjects. What do we got? 
Well, as we know, uh, Donald Trump's uh, here to very successful quest to have the documents that were seized at Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, with the uh, in front of Judge Eileen Cannon has been, you know, been very simple. OK, yeah, yeah. Cavalcade. Cavalcade that's our, of clouds. That's, that, that sound means we're talking about Judge Eileen Cannon. <laughs> Move on. Uh, who's been very sympathetic to uh, Donald Trump and actually appointed a special master, uh, Raymond Deary, retired, I believe, but in the uh, or senior, senior status, he's senior, senior status, status. Uh, from the Eastern District of New York. Uh, and interestingly, Judge Deary was on Trump's list of suggested special masters. And as soon as the uh, government sort, they're like, sure, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Let's get Judge Deary on this one. Uh, Judge Deary has a reputation. Okay, yeah. So so the the process to get this special master, which obviously there's no reason why a special master would have anything to do with determining whether or not documents are classified. Special masters are used to deal with like privilege disputes, like attorney-client privilege, stuff like that. Whatever. The whole process involved the judge asking both sides to put up two nominees. Uh, The government put up two nominees, uh, former judges who are very good at this. Trump's people put up Judge Deary and a, you know, relatively hard right Republican lawyer whose wife was like a nominee of Trump's. The government rejected that latter one, but was fine with Judge Deary. Yeah. Now, why? Answer me this. Now, why is it that Trump would suggest Judge Deary, and why is it that the government would have no problem with this nominee? Well, that's a great question. Um, I know, I asked it. <laughs> okay, okay, Joe. <laughs> and that's that's sort of been, um, that people have really been digging into some of the information about why Judge Deary was on the list. But according to reporting from Axios, folks inside the Trump camp said that uh, they believed that uh, Judge Deary was a, a deep skeptic of uh, the FBI and uh, would therefore be sympathetic to their claims about, you know, their various claims about the FBI's search of Mar-a-Lago. Now, this goes back, of course, to Judge Deary signed off on the Carter Page right. searches. Uh, ultimately, right. it turned out that the FBI had somewhat misled the court uh, yes. in justifying that warrant. Yes. Uh, and Deary had written some things. I mean, a former FBI lawyer, in fact, pled guilty to a felony about this. So right. it was no bueno. But for some reason, the Trump camp seemed to have believed this single incident over a 35-year career somehow has so tainted Judge Deary's position on what he thinks about the federal government that he would be sympathetic to their argument. And Interesting. Now, is he sympathetic to their argument? It does not appear so. No. Yeah, that's uh-uh. that's certainly what I took away from it. Uh, nobody's been following the the special master's work so far. A line did come up where he responded to Trump's lawyers with but I mean, these documents they classified on them. That to me, that seems like that ends the discussion, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is exactly Damning the opposite for, of what they wanted. Right, right. And uh, as to the your other question is, why would the government agree to one of Trump's suggestions? It's because of Judge Deary's thirty-five years on the bench. He has a reputation for integrity, objectivity, uh, sort of calling it like he sees it. Very stellar reputation. Well, on and the court. experience on this. In addition, right, to being he was in the on District. the FISA court. Right, the the FISA court 
appointee, which means he, even though he's in the Eastern District of New York, the FISA court is our, you know, our super secret chamber where federal judges go to deal with the sorts of investigations that are so steeped in national security that they can't be on the public docket. He'd served on that. Mm -hmm. So he had for deep seven experience years, I believe. Yeah. On dealing and with which classified is, documents. Which is how the Carter Page warrant came up was Indeed. his time on that court. But what I think Team Trump is learning is, uh, no, it, he does not continue to hold a grudge against the entirety of the federal government. Also, by the way, his employer, but okay, because of this single interaction. Right. So this special master thing seems to have backfired fairly f spectacularly. And that's before the 11th Circuit, uh, who was hearing on appeal the decision that Judge Cannon... Had put out, <laughs> had put out, and he wasn't hearing the whole appeal right, about the special limited, master, but it was a limited issue. And the Eleventh Circuit rather quickly responded that the whole order made that 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 part of the order made no sense. Indeed, that the balancing test had been completely ignored. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was quite the little bench slap. It had yeah, it a lot quite of the withering, yeah. withering commentary yes. about the judge saying, you know, this clearly concludes that it was wrong and we could end our inquiry here, but we will indulge in explaining how it was wrong for more reasons, <laughs> uh, which is never a good thing you to be hearing from the people who hold your fate in their hands. Sure. So, but for yeah. the rest of us, it was very, very fun to read. Yeah. It, it appears as though there are some really bad lawyers involved in this case and they're making a series of mistakes. So that that does appear to be what's going on. That's, uh, all, and that's where above the law, it's like that's our where we sweet flourish. spot. It's like a, that's, that's exactly where you want to find us. Right. Generate quality briefs, memos, and redlines in minutes with Calidus AI. You enter the case's facts, then Calidus suggests bodies of law, statutes, and precedents. You tell it if those are relevant, and Calidus generates a well-cited, well-formatted document. You can trust what went into it because you put it there. Be exceptionally productive with better outcomes using Legal's most advanced AI platform. Just three minutes from registration to results. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at calidusai.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. And we're back. And, and there are more legal troubles for Donald Trump. The Mar-a-Lago search is certainly not all of them. And there was a pretty big uh, development last week, Joe. Yeah. So in addition to what's going on with the classified documents issue, there has been a longstanding New York investigation and the New York investigation by the attorney general's office up here is dealing with nothing political, 
dealing with the Trump organization's long business career. Uh, in particular, what they're looking into is allegations that grew out of Michael Cohen's flipping uh, when he was uh, getting prosecuted and investigated. Uh, he ultimately flipped and as part of that was giving testimony to Congress where mm -hmm. uh, Congresswoman uh, AOC asked some questions that Cohen answered that revealed that the Trump organization may have maintained two sets of books. Now I'm not an accountant. Yeah. But that does not seem like approved um, practices. It's one of those Frowned endeavors upon. in history where yeah. you want to only have one book. <laughs> um, it, it is the opposite of a, of a library. It's more like a library in Florida these days where oh. there's only one book. Actually, uh, trivia question from last week, oh. the state that has banned the most books in public schools is actually Texas. Oh, well, there you go. Sorry. Congratulations, Florida. You're not the worst at anything. <laughs> so... The, but you are supposed to keep one set of books. Uh, apparently, there was a set of books by which they would claim value when it came time to asking for loans and stuff like that, uh, and a set of books that they would utilize when they were trying to get gov get stuff out so of the government. So one set of books when they were trying to make look look like they had a lot of money so that people should loan them more mm -hmm. money right. and one set of books when they were trying to say, we're not paying a lot of taxes. We don't have that much money. Yes. Uh, and Seems like the opposite of okay. It it is, and it, and according to the allegations in the in the complaint, which names Trump, uh, the former CFO of the organization, who also is involved in a criminal investigation down in the Manhattan DA's office too, uh, as well as all the kids except for Tiffany and Barron. <laughs> You know, good for the Tiffany. lawyer and the underage. Right, the lawyer child. and the underage kid have no have no exposure here. Everybody else does, though. And according to this, not being they, daddy's favorite pays off. It does. So, what as it turns out, they were according to the complaint. Obviously, the allegations are that some of these were fairly striking valuation issues. Uh, issues like saying Mar-a-Lago was worth $75 million in some contexts and $750 million in others. Uh, Those are different. Yeah, like, like we're, we're talking 100 times wild valuation shifts, claiming that his penthouse was something like 30,000 square feet when, in fact, they knew it was 10,000. That's the one. Maybe I'm just too much of a native New Yorker here, but that's the one that strikes me as the most egregious. No, it's not worth the largest amount of money, but you know how big your apartment is. Floor you, plans you exist. Floor plans exist. You know every square inch of that, and it's certainly not three times as large. The, the governments know how big things are. You have to file that. Yeah. Like, there's a record. Anyway. It, it just, Wild. Wild. Yeah. So these allegations are that, one, that uh, this is, you know, suing, uh, suing on behalf of the state of New York. There's a lot of tax dollars here that likely were, sto you know, stolen, basically, from mm. the state. But also suing on behalf of the bank, big banks who have been defrauded, arguably, by these misrepresentations. And as a result, the AG's office is asking for a lot of things, uh, bans from being able to serve as, a, as an officer of a corporation in New York, claims that the whole 
Trump Trust Organization should have to get independent trustees now. Uh, but the one that I actually think may be the biggest blow if it were to come to pass is a claim, a, an argument that the as relief he should be barred from taking a, getting a loan from any financial institution that operates in New York. Uh, that would that would be a real sting to a business organization, especially one that I have always argued probably doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, I think that certainly Trump, not money on hand, not liquid. You know, yeah. even even if he's right about what he says about his worth, it's a real estate company. A yeah. lot of it is is not liquid. Hard assets, yeah, yeah. and that you can't really, yeah. So not being able to get a loan would be a real problem for him. Meanwhile, uh, Alan Dershowitz has shown up again to go on the media and blast this move because he doesn't understand why the Attorney General of New York would be trying to protect banks based in New York. Um, I don't <laughs> so know where he missed that those are citizens of the state too, but it also glosses over the whole tax part <laughs> that would definitely justify the the suit even if there had been no fraud on the banks. Said, but, I, I don't necessarily consider myself a friend of the banks, but I did not know that Alan Dershowitz was auditioning for a role in Les Mis. Here we go. I, I mean, I, I think there's going to... Take to the barricades, Alan. Uh, there's going to... I really, if I were... a I sometimes I wish I was had more graphically inclined and could be like a graphic artist because I kind of want to take one of those Shea T-shirts and make it be Dershowitz <laughs> and then wear it at Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> well, you'll certainly get more invitations to parties than yeah. Alan. Listeners, yeah, that, uh, yeah. as a reminder, tips at AboveTheLaw.com when you want to yeah. make this T-shirt, please oh, that's send right. it to us. That's a great point. Yeah, There, there are great listeners. Yeah, brilliant that's listeners. true. Very, very true. Okay, what else? Well, uh, there was sort of a development about a Supreme Court case last year, or last term, more accurately. There was a, a, a school prayer case, and it turns out the plaintiff may not be who he, or had the same opinions that they represented in court. So this case, of course, was the Kennedy case against Bremerton. This was a high school football coach who was running prayer circles, uh, imposing either explicitly or at least implicitly pressure on students that they had to join his his school his prayer or see their playing school time official cut. times or they may get in trouble get playing time cut whatever the supreme court majority ruled that this was all quiet private prayer and he should get his job back the dissent noted that almost none of these things were true, factually, uh, up to and including that he had never actually been fired. He had been retained as part of a staff. The head coach of that staff left, and they and then he never applied to come back after that. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was less fired than he didn't even apply for the job. But all of that said, uh, the Supreme Court ruled that he had to get his job back. And uh, what happened then? I don't think that he really wants it back. He's too busy trying to become a darling of the far right. So we're suggesting that this plaintiff, after dragging a case clear to the Supreme Court to get his job back, 
has and refused gutting the establishment clause in the process. To gut the establishment clause in the process has refused to even apply to get his job back that the school is ready to give him. And he has, in fact, been AWOL hanging out with Mike Pence and at Trump rallies during the games that the team has been playing. I mean, are we shocked that this was just a figurehead who trying to gut the establishment clause and had very little to do with his desire or ability to coach a football team? Listeners, we are not. Uh, this <laughs> this uh, all came out in a very, very good, if people want to get into it, uh, Seattle newspaper took a deep dive into, hey, whatever happened with this? Uh, and it is amazing how much how much the uh you know i think it's fair to say the supreme court got grifted probably by its own i mean no, probably knowingly i don't yeah, think it probably mattered completely knowingly yeah it's uh, the good news for uh the student athletes is that uh despite not having a coach in that position they're still i believe at the time of the seattle writing was they were still two and one in the season so there has been one more game since we checked in on Three and one. Three there and one. There you go. Who needs a coach? That is, certainly no one needed to pray for them when they <laughs> whipped Olympic 40 to 13 this week. Oh. Or no, that was a couple weeks ago. Never mind. Uh, Regardless. Oh, whoa. Oh, is it worse? This, this week they won 61-30. Damn. Yeah. This is, uh, this is explosive. <laughs> Wait, now, right. got, now they've got the other team throwing Hail Mary passes. No. Yeah, and I and I was wrong. The forty to thirteen was the one game they lost. Actually, mm. Olympic did did put one on them, but otherwise they've been doing great. Mm. Anyway, yes, the Supreme Court is being knowingly grifted. Yeah, more more from our dystopian reality. Very exciting. I think it's really useful when the one of the three top branches of the constitutional order that we have is just able to be taken completely advantage of by a random dude claiming that he'd been fired when he hadn't been. I mean, yeah. they were not taken advantage of. Yeah. I think that I think as I, I think they didn't care. They didn't care to know they I, wanted to gut the establishment clause. So that's what they did. It's oh well. Uh, hey, you know, hey. everything's everything. Well, I mean, one of the results of this, of course, is there was some new polling this last week. Yeah, well, this plus, you know, the whole overturning row and throwing millions of people into having fewer rights than they did before. Um, there was a recent uh, survey by Marquette Law School about the Supreme Court. They do one kind of per periodically. Um, the overall approval rating, I think, is hovering around 40%. Not great, not great. But the sort of big takeaway in my mind is the a majority of Americans now believe that we should expand the court. 51% said, yes, we should add more justices to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't know. When I was learning about the New Deal and the court cases that came out from there and the, the pack the court controversy, I didn't, I didn't think that in 2022 that would come up again, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. As I've said, I've, I, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of, of expanding the court, but I feel like it's reached a point where it may be inevitable. I'm not sure what other options we really yeah, have. I mean, ideally, ideally, we would institute term limits in order to just create Cycle a long-term fix to the situation where you don't have... There, there's no reason at any level that 
we should be having life tenure. I agree that the Constitution says those folks should have their their jobs guaranteed for life for money reasons and so on, so they can't be bribed, yada, yada, yada. But that's what senior status is for. I mm -hmm. feel like a broad-based reform that says you can be on an active duty for 18 years and then you go on to senior status would be great. Uh, but I also feel like that's a reform that is a little more difficult constitutionally to do. And I think it becomes a situation where you have to say, we're going to expand the court unless a co and you and use that as the maximalist position and get a compromise to get the better. Really anything at any action that we can somehow undo the chokehold that the Supreme Court has over everything right now would be amazing. And I mean, there's also constant, uh, there's also jurisdiction stripping, which nobody seems willing to do, but it's I'd entirely, be very I'd be very interested in some jurisdiction stripping. Um, entirely constitutional. Very, but. very much so. Very clear. But uh, no, no real proposals have been made. So yeah, it's a real mess up there. Anyway, so I think that's everything we have, yeah, right? That's okay. our week. Cool. That is the week that just happened. The week that was. Uh, so don't worry. I'm sure it will get worse next week. And when it does, you can listen. Uh, you should subscribe to the show so that you get new episodes when they come out. You should give us reviews, stars, write something. It's awesome to do that. Uh, you can check out other shows. Catherine's the host of The Jabot. I'm a guest on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. You should be reading Above the Law as always, but mm -hmm. also follow all of our social medias. Above the Law is at ATL blog. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral, the numeral one. one. And Chris is at Rights for Rent. We are, yeah, there was something else I had to say. Oh yeah, the, the other thing I had to say is also check out all the other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Even if we aren't on them, they're still interesting and fun. And I'm actually going to probably be involved in some of the other shows coming up. I'll let you know more about that. And yeah. Peace. All right. Bye all. Peace. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.